Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome uh, welcome to Late Lunch. When I fix me, you can't hear me there, but you'll hear me now in a second. You can hear me there. Now I'm right. Now I'm right. Just have to twiddle the knob. Sorry about that. Welcome to Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Delighted to have you with us on the show. It's a miserable afternoon, isn't it? Put on the kettle there, have your lunch, have a cup of tea and stay with us for the next couple of hours. We have a great line-up for you today, I promise. But before I tell you who's with us, listen to this. Just got this uh, handed to me as I arrived in uh, a short while ago. It was a lovely brown envelope and there's a 50 euro note in it and this uh, little uh, few words that are just lovely, I have to say. It says, Hi Jerry. I want to thank you for the joy and positivity you bring into my life every afternoon during the week. You're a great person. Thank you so much. I enclose 50 euro for oxygen for Slav and say well done to you on what you're doing for that boy and that family I'll just put my initials on the note and I can't make them out it's FL or JC I'm not sure I don't know who you are but whoever you are I'm sure you're listening to me today thanks for those so kind words and that money and I assure you that money will go straight to Slav it will indeed I will be lodging it myself and any cash I get here I have been lodging uh, to the bank account there's a GoFundMe and a bank account as well so I've been putting directly to the bank account and uh, putting the details with it as well so that will go on in there into the fund and it's going great we're delighted again thank you everybody who's supporting me encouraging me along the way to my colleagues here in LMFM who've been sending me such good wishes uh, in recent days as well to keep her going and uh, your support is much appreciated and to the people who shout at me when I'm out walking thank you indeed it's it's really helping me get along but the focus is Slav and his family and uh, the donations have been just fantastic and well done again to St Margaret Celtic Supporters Club and the Drogheda Dolls and everybody who's contributed 
any amount of money. Every euro counts. Thank you, thank you from my heart. It really is appreciated. And to whoever you are who left that little note for me today, you've made my day for sure. I hope I can make yours over the next couple of hours. Let me tell you what's happening. Yes, we're going to Navin a little bit later on in the show. Joe Tierney, he's been in the uh, newsagent's business for more years than he cares to remember. But times have changed and he's going to tell us what's happening at the moment and what the future holds for him. Roisin Kybert is with us. I promise you, you'll enjoy this woman. She's written a new book and really the tenant of it is that the internet or the online world is the loneliest place you can be. I promise you, she's fantastic. She's with us on the show. Alex Jefferson is here. I came across this woman. Positive postcards. Who doesn't love sending or receiving a postcard, but I bet you, you've never got a postcard like these. Alex is with us round about two o'clock today. Of course, the Kylie story continues with a classic Kylie song and we're into the noughties now and more besides. If you want to get in touch with me on the show, remember those numbers. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me anytime you want or you can call in on 1850-715-958. Now, I want to put my cards on the table before uh, we... uh, talk about our first item today. I live on the Ballamackenny Road in Drogheda. It was a little country road and still remains basically a little country road on the northern side of Drogheda. And I have a particular interest in this next topic. So understand that before I begin to speak about it. Because that road is tiny, it's a country road. And at the moment, on the road, there are three schools. The uh, presentation school is always there. There are two new schools, St Oliver's Primary School and the Ballamackenny College with, what, 1,100, students. On the way, on that road and off that road, are 5,000 houses. So let me tell you the history of this. Many moons ago, a new road was planned linking Drogheda Port to the M1 motorway on the north side of Drogheda. The route would facilitate the development of the northern environs of the town, which lagged way behind what has happened on the south side of the town, which comes under the auspices of Meath County Council. Many prospective investors bought land along this route. They saw an opportunity. But with the crash of the Celtic Tiger, many were burned and the lands mostly went to Nama and have subsequently been sold on with Loud County Council acquiring aspects of that land as well. It's an important and very important piece of infrastructure for Drogheda and the greater Drogheda area from a housing, business and recreational perspective. It comes under the remit, as I said, of Loud County Council, who have already granted that permission for and in the process of granting permission for 5,000 new houses, social and otherwise. They're mixed housing that's going in there. And they're under construction. There are many projects that are opened up down there already. Now, hopes were really high on Monday that the road, this road, would at long last be funded. But for the third time, the project was overlooked. The non-funding was debated politically on Michael Reid extensively yesterday and today I want to hear and I want you to hear from community activists, volunteers who are working away behind the scenes for the betterment of the greater Drogheda area. And I'm delighted to welcome to late lunch this afternoon from the Drogheda City Status Group, Anna McKenna and Brian Hanrity. Anna and Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Jerry. Thank you, Anna. You're not on speaker there or anything on that phone. No, you're just talking straight into it, are you? Have the speaker on it. Oh, have you a speaker on? No. 
Yes. No, come off the speaker, Anna. Come off the speaker and go directly onto the phone. It'll just sound like you're in an echo chamber. That is much, much better. Welcome to the show. And Brian, you're there as well. Anna, can I ask uh, an absolute Luddite of a question or an egot's question, if you like to call it that, from me to start off here today? Can I ask you this? Is the fund that this was turned down under this week, right, the funding tranche that we're talking about here, Auburn Renewal or whatever, is that the appropriate fund that this funding should be sought under? That's the thing that I was dumbfounded, Jerry, when I heard um, the, the report yesterday that we weren't getting it or money that we weren't getting it. Because I was speaking with uh, Minister O'Brien when he was down at a function in Drogheda a couple of years ago. And we spoke about the Northern Barns, and uh, he understood it. He knew where we were coming from, and he was very positive about uh, what he would do. And I still believe that he's positive, and I still think he will work with us. I really do. But um, I would question, was it sent to the right place? That's one of the things that I would wonder. I would ask, first of all, it's clear that Larry County Council already know how to assess, assess funding. Mm. Because they've done it before and they've got, they've been successful with St. Nicholas Quarter and places in Dundalk. And that being the case, why have we been unsuccessful for the third time, as you say, in the funding application? Yeah, I, I've looked at it just, I, I have looked at what has been sanctioned under this urban regeneration project in this tranche and in others. And I'm not seeing major infrastructural road projects. So that makes me, now hold on a minute. If I'm asking this question, and, and maybe it is a stupid question, but I look at what's been funded in there and the level of funding, because this road is going to cost an awful lot more. Surely it couldn't be in the wrong uh, lane on the motorway, you know, to speak for funding. If it is, well, what are we talking about to begin? Well, we're wasting our time. The first wasting. thing that we have to find out is, did it go to the right place for funding? Why was it turned down? We have to ask those questions first and get the answers. And I think for the next um, requisition for funding, that area of the Northern Cross route should be the only one requested by Louth County Council. There should be no other request for funding to enable the, um, the Northern Cross routes to be done. Now, I know other people listening today, and there's the RD project is out there. I think there's another one in Northland as well. And they'll say, well, we're equally entitled to the funding. You know, and I can, I can understand that. And, you know, there are many worthwhile projects right around this country. But I want to bring Brian in here. Brian, welcome to the show, Brian Hannity. Why is this route so crucial, Brian? Well, Jerry, this is, if it was our body, it would be one of the main arteries in our body. You, you think of this, this road, I know it was described as a, as a, a, a sort of a standard road um, on one of your colleagues' programmes this morning. But this opens up the whole north side of Drada. It connects the port in a much more environmentally friendly way and a more attractive way for customers of the port. And Drada is the biggest regional in the country. Uh, so it serves not just Drada, of course, and the, and the environs of Drada, but the entire northeast and beyond. So, you know, it's that. It's the, the houses that you mentioned. I mean, I, I can't understand at a time when everybody is saying we have a crowd, housing crisis in this country. If I, I would have thought if a seven-year-old child wrote to government and said, I have uh, planning permission for 5,000 houses here, that they would come grabbing it. And instead, 
bear in mind, this is not the first time that this project has been up for evaluation. This, I think, is the third time. Now, if we haven't learned lessons, either in the department or in Louth County Council, to get it right after the first time and the second time and now the third time, how can we be confident? Frankly, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but the people of Drada and the greater Drada area are the meat in this sandwich. And to my mind, somebody is playing a little game here. They're stalling this. That's the, that's the bottom line. They're stalling this. They're slowing down the inevitable evolution of Drada to becoming a city. And I hear people saying, Jerry, and maybe you and Anna as well, that Meath County Council take Drada more seriously than Louth County Council. And, and one example of that, by the way, you know, a good luck to the people of North Louth and the people of RD, because it, it, the IDA uh, haven't much interest in either RD or Drada. It's all, all Dundalk, as we've seen from a submission they made to the County Development Plan. But, you know, we, we have got to get our politicians working in tandem on this. We may have been a bit fragmented in the past. We may have had our eye off the ball uh, at times. But north and south of the River Boyne, the, the councillors where I live in East Meath and the councillors in Drada and north of Drada, plus our TDs and senators, they need to go to government and say, this is outrageous. Drada is the largest town, not just in Louth, but in Ireland at the moment. It's on a trajectory to become the next city. The growth has been mainly on the south side in County Meath. It now needs to be balanced. Um, and again, it was remarked on Loose Talk this morning, the extent of the money Louth County Council have already spent uh, on this route. We need to get on with it. Mm. But uh, I, I think the county CEO needs to come uh, on your programme or, or another programme to explain to people truthfully how this has happened. The people deserve to know, and I think, um, you know, the politicians, particularly our TDs, need to raise this in the doll. We yep. deserve a full explanation. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying, Brian. I, I do have to say that I, I would, would want to say myself that I would hope that Loud County Council would look after all of the county equally and that they're as concerned. As you said yourself, they put a lot of money into this road already. So I, I would take it that they are concerned about the county as a whole, north, south, east and west. And this has to be a priority. I'd, I'd have to give them that credit and expect an all reasonable uh, thinking that they, that they are doing that and that is the the way they're acting. The other thing is, you know, I understand the, the Drogheda has the difficulty being divided between Meath and Loud County Council. One aspect I just want to read uh, from uh, a letter uh, sent to Deputy Fergus O'Dowd from the Minister, Darrow O'Brien, that you mentioned, Anna, there, and this does concern me because part of the letter says, with this in mind, I have instructed my officials to re-engage with the local authority to strengthen the specific proposal to ensure it is the strongest in in the strongest possible position to receive full funding in the next call under the URDF. This will involve uh, reassessing the application and identifying specific potential improvements. Anna McKenna, that is certainly pointing the finger, isn't it, at the application? Yeah, Jerry. I think this needs to be looked at from an entirely different perspective. And the benefits of the project clearly quantified and then communicated to central government. This is not a paving of a street or a furniture project. It is systematic. The payback in tax revenues locally will likely make it cost neutral within a very short period of time. 
and this should be assessed economically and the benefits locally, regionally and nationally properly articulated. And I would wonder, perhaps now, that the application, can this application next time be put in by an applicant other than Louth County Council? Is the fund open to applications made by, multi- by multiple stakeholders, Louth County Councils, developers, draw the port company, chamber, community groups, all of whom can contribute to demonstrating how delivery of the port access route will unlock Drogheda's urban core, so, as well as the planned houses in the school. So you're and, actually calling for multi-agency input uh, into this application now. You yeah. have no, are you saying to me today you haven't confidence in Loud County Council? Well, I'm not saying I haven't confidence in them, but I'm saying that they need help. If they've put in an application three times and it has failed, and I know the people are very angry about this, so something, some change has to be made in, in relation to the application. I mean, there's so many things going on, and uh, I think it would take another programme just to talk. I know, I know, I know. Everything but, but else. Can, can either, can either you confirm this to me? Because uh, from what the minister says there. He seems to be keen that uh, this will happen ultimately. When I feel it, when, that, Jerry. When, when, I felt that from the start. Yes, he's one of the most people that I've met. Uh, we've met a few of the minister of housing. And actual fact, there was one time we went up and we didn't get seeing him. I mean, you know the reason why, but we're, we didn't get seeing him. But I feel that this minister of housing is approachable. I think he's he's understands people's positions. And he will. And I think he will tell us, you can't get it if you can't get it. And I appreciate that. But to be put on the long finger all the time and to be turned down again, it's just not good enough for the people. Mm. Brian, what, the, the funding, he says the next tranche. Do, does anybody know when the next consideration will happen? Will it be in this calendar year? Have you to wait a year, two years? What, Brian? Well, I think in that uh, correspondence, the minister did suggest in the weeks and months ahead and I think somebody else has said later in the year <clears throat> so the time frame would be later in the year but I, I wonder Jerry, and we haven't had an opportunity to follow up on it uh, is there an appeals process because the first thing I think if there was an appeals process is to go down that route and for Louth County Council to get whatever resources internal, external or both uh, to put their best foot forward on this but the other thing Louth County Council can do we are the largest town in Ireland at the moment. Two-thirds of Louth County Council staff are in Dundalk. All the senior management are in Dundalk. It's time for Joan Martin to start thinking seriously about Drogheda and resourcing Drogheda properly because all of the growth, the bulk of the growth in, in Louth is coming in the south of the county. And we need local planners. We need a conservation officer for this historic town. We need a tourism officer because tourism is not being driven properly at the moment. All, all of that needs to be resourced. And it needs to be people, excuse me, people locally, that local business and local community groups can engage with. They shouldn't have to go to Dundalk for every, every, every meeting. And I've had experience of that myself in the past where I've demanded that meetings on enterprise issues 
be held in Drogheda as well as Dundalk. Oh, well, I have to say, Brian, it's only 20 minutes up the road on the motorway, and if this new road was built, you'd be able to fly up to it uh, whenever it is built. It has to be built, it's as simple as that. But I hear what you're saying, and there is that viewpoint out there. But look, it's a small county, there's not a big distance between any of us in Dundalk, Drogheda, RD, to be fair to everybody. Yeah. But I, I, I know that viewpoint is but, sitting out there. But look, can I say to both of you, Shouldn't everybody be pulling together on this? This is for the good of everybody. And the other thing I will say to you is, I'll put it to you, Drada, of course, has hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, it's been next to Limerick when it comes to awful crime and the debts and the gang feuds and the drugs. Are we not sowing the seeds for greater difficulties down the road? Putting in 5,000 houses with no amenities, facilities, way in or out. Communities will be part of it, Jerry. It ha- they have to be part of it. But going back to the working together, a few years ago, um, Drogheda City Status facilitated um, a meeting of Eastmead councillors and Drogheda councillors, and it went off well. And we've Drogheda councillors put in a joint submission to the Loud County Plan. Mm. Now I know they didn't put in a joint submission. Loud County Council put it in for the National Development Plan, and I've written to find out what what um, submission was put in so that we could see where Drogheda would be in that. Mm. But I think it is time that the councillors work together and this thing of going individually and announcing individually isn't good for the town and people see what's happening. So you're saying, Anna, to me, that uh, uh, what I said a moment ago, with the road, with the sanctioning of the road, will come the amenities, the facilities, everything else. So this is the key to providing that. The the other thing is, um, you know... I suppose where there's been this has been debated to and fro as I said with Michael and lots of political input there as well. Where to from here, Brian? Well, just just before we go, where to from here? I was saying about you know use if there is an appeals process, use it. But certainly get your best team together because I think we're fed up and dried up hearing we, we've been unsuccessful again. But t- taking your point about the geographical distance, that's only one of the gaps or distances. The big distance gap is the mindset, the mindset of officials in Dundalk. And take, for example, for a number of years, there has been a committee, a collaboration committee between Louth County Council and Newry and Moran. Essentially, it's a Dundalk-Newry focus. And Louth County Council, their main focus is the north of the county and northwards beyond that with the narrow water bridge. There's no talk of even a review of the viability of an East Link Bridge, bridge in Drada, which I think Meath County Council have proposed uh, across the Boyne, which would connect with the Northern Cross Route. Uh, it's going at snail speed, the initiative to have the councillors from uh, Leytown, Bettystown, sit down with the Drada ones and, and in turn, uh, the, the, the management. Whereas they've been light years ahead in their, in their north-south fo- focus. Um, so there is a total bias there. And well, you know, Brian, I have to say, I know that's your opinion, and I'm sure uh, the county manager and her officials and people like that and other uh, councillors would, would, would have a different view on that. And I say to them, if they want to make that view clear, they're quite welcome to do so. We'd love to hear from them on it and hear what they have to say on this uh, matter entirely. But to be fair to them, you, you do have to say, you know, that they would have probably a different perspective. And, you know, uh, Newry Moore and Dundalk, there's a sort of a hinterland there, like there is Drogheda 
into East Mead, just yeah. to be yeah. to be fair to everybody, you know. Now, sorry, I think that's the answer to a lot of our problems. If we have the Drogheda and East Mead councillors working together as one one official group with proper administration over that greater area, I think that would solve an awful lot of our problems. Mm. Mm. Well, look, at I'll tell you, folks, uh, we hear what you have to say. And I want to say again, you're wonderful volunteering people just concerned about the future for future generations of people. And I think it's quite obvious at this stage there really is uh, a lot of a, a big kick about this at this time. And I just hope that uh, government are listening and the people uh, are listening who are charged with putting in the application and beefing up that application, as the minister says in his letter, and that this will happen sooner rather than later. I have to leave it there today. Anna McKenna and uh, Brian. Thank you, Brian Hannity, for joining me on the show. Thank you, Brian. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We could talk about this on and on. But I I do say again, I do live on the Ballamakenny Road on the north side of Drogheda. I am deeply concerned as a citizen. And I ask the question, because this mistake has been made in other places before. How do you grant permission or prospective permission for 5,000 homes on a country road? I'll bring you down any day and show you one of these developments on the bend of a road. It's a... An accident, many accidents waiting to happen. How can you give planning permission for 5,000 homes with no way in or out? Think about that. Think about the logic in that. As Brian said at the start there, a seven-year-old child, a seven-year-old child would understand, would, would definitely understand. There are many questions and not enough answers. And I really say there's trouble storing up here in many, many aspects of life, including, you know, the social end of things if this route is not approved and approved soon. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Look, I do want to say again, you know, this is a particular project that I've been interested in and others have as well. And there are other really good projects around County Louth and Mead in our own areas and around the country that, you know, equally feel they should be funded. But this is a biggie. It really is a biggie. Thank you for your comments uh, to the show today. Uh, I came to Drogheda in 1966. I was a member of the Trades Council from the 70s and we were talking about this route back then, says John. It's a long time. I'm on the go, it really is. Hey, Jerry, any chance of a skateboard park for the dog? How do you think we're fixed? <laughs> I'm sure we can organise that for you, uh, for sure. Oh my God, Jerry, the amount of lorries and containers coming up and down that road you mentioned, Ballamakenny. My garden walls are going to crack. Uh, oh, Jerry, I live in Shamrock Villas, which is in near the town on Ballamakenny. Yes, I know where it is. I've been living there for 52 years now, and I have to leave the house uh, at nine in the morning. If I don't get out to try and get out from half past eight, I miss my appointment. I'm retired now. I love living where I'm living. But come on, Jerry, this road just must be built. Bring us back to the days of Harty, Harty's cows. I remember them well. Uh, another one there says there should be no houses, Jerry. You're absolutely right. Given permission or built out the Ballamakenny area until that northern cross route was uh, is built. Thank you indeed for all your comments. Well, when you hear Simon on the news there and Fergus O'Dowd speaking in the Dáil and the way the Drogheda Port Access Route received the lowest rating, well, my oh my, that is really shocking. It really does cast a very dark light on the people who put together and put that submission in. Now, you know, and I've told you this many times in the past, I love receiving letters or posts. I love letters, for sure. I've got some beautiful cards. I have a big collection of them up in the office all across the wall over the years. I love them. And I'll tell you this, I've come across these postcards. They're called positive postcards. And folks, 
Oh, I'm just smitten, I have to say. They are simply lovely. And the lady behind them, who makes them and who's come up with this concept, is on the line. Her name is Alex Jefferson. Hello, Alex. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. I mean sincerely what I say. When I came across you and the cards, I just went, oh, they are so, so beautiful. Tell us about them, where the thought came from and how you got into all of this. Well, the... (laughs) I mean, everything you said there is just wonderful, so thank you so much. Um, I, as you might hear from my accent, I'm Australian. I've lived in Ireland for 20 years, and my husband's also Australian. And so the first question most people say is, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, um, so obviously, the last 12 months have exacerbated everyone's sense of isolation and, uh, I suppose, disconnection with people. And so not being able to see friends and family, whether they're literally around the corner or on the other side of the world, is obviously right at everyone's, you know, forefront of thinking. And so just over the last few months, the thing that I've been missing hugely, and I know my other friends have as well, is just that connection, you know, being able to see someone, chat to them, all those things. And so I just got the idea, how lovely is it when you get, uh, a handwritten, particularly something come through your letterbox, how nice that feeling is. And just to get something really bright and cheerful that's so simple um, come through the letterbox, makes you smile, and in most cases then prompts perhaps an email, a phone call, a follow-up. And so you have a bit of a chat, and it just it's just about kind of getting that sense of connection back as, as best we can at the moment. I love it. Um, yeah. I love it. I really do, I have to say to you. So the accent, I love the Australian accent too. I think I'll keep you on for the rest of the day here. I'm just happy to chat away to you. So you're here quite a time with your husband as well. And obviously for you, you know, you mentioned around the corner. Of course, we're all confined no matter what distance we're away. Once it's outside 5k, but no, um, no hope of getting back home. I know the restrictions are tight, aren't they? They are. They're so tight for us. And I suppose, you know, that we've, had that thing in the past where unfortunately we've had to make a dash back to Australia for a couple of times over the last few years for various family things. But just knowing that you can do that is hugely comforting. And I think at the moment, knowing that that is really, really hard, God forbid that something should happen. It's sort of, it just further exacerbates that isolation, I suppose. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I mean, look, it's tough for me, but it's tough for anyone whose family are 5k away and they, or 10k away and they can't see them as well. So, <laughs> You know, it's hard. It is hard. It is, it is. So I take it you've um, used your own creations to send messages to Australia? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I keep in touch with friends and family by sort of obviously social media as well and Instagram and things like that. But yeah, just sending a little message or a funny sort of joke that you've seen, just keeping in touch with people. It's just brilliant because you just feel connected. And I do that actually with my old school friends back in Sydney. Mm. I'm in a WhatsApp group with them and uh, every so often we'll just have a chat about something and it's, it's as if I'm almost there, you know. Yes. So um, it's just lovely and it's so simple. It's just that pure basic thing of keeping in touch mm. and it's just it's great. It's great. And it brings us back as well to actually writing a wee note to somebody, yeah. putting the stamp in it and posting it. As you say, that personal touch. But here, tell me about the uh, the uh, designs you've come up with for these cards. I'm just looking at a selection of them here. There's a beautiful one there. It says, you are blooming gorgeous. Imagine yeah. getting that in the post. I love it. Yeah, I love that one. Um, so there's 10 different designs. So you can buy a pack of five or 10. Um, so I can split them into a pack of five. 
you can see them all on the website. But the basic, the idea behind the designs is just sort of bright, happy, cheerful things. So there's the one you mentioned, which is you are just blooming gorgeous, which has got loads of flowers on it. Mm. And, I, you know, seeing that come through your postbox, you'd, you'd have to have a hard soul not to get a smile <laughs> you out would. of that. You would, you would, you would. What about the uh, copper tea? You know the way we yeah. love our copper in Ireland. Oh, Tell them well, about that one. I love that one too. Yeah. So there's another one which says, I can't wait to have a cup of you. And it's got a couple of teacups with smile, smiley faces and a teapot. But it's that simple thing. And then there's another one which is um, uh, little those little Russian dolls that you yes. inside each other. And they're sort of all next to each other in various sizes and colours and shapes. And just a simple line, we are family. And I mean, whether you're a blood family with someone or your family by situation is actually just the people who are your support network mm. i mean you can send that to anyone almost um there's a lovely simple one that says hello sunshine with just <laughs> a big beaming sun coming yeah. over the hill um and there's a lovely one which is actually very popular which is a bear a couple of bears on a moped scooting off down the road and it just says how are you so, <laughs> i mean i know i haven't said that in the proper irish accent oh you did well you did well i'll give you i'll give you all your, your nine out of ten there you're nearly there i have to say very good indeed but these are so creative they're so beautiful they're so colorful and i tell you this i i really say to you you have something unique and special here rarely have i seen cards are uh, with this level of thought and beauty that have uh, oh, in my lifetime nice. i have to say that they're that good I'm, i am waxing lyrical over them for 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 a good reason but look at there are the cards i believe you're you're th- or have you that you see other opportunities of moving into different areas here yeah i mean i've been uh, designing and producing greeting cards uh for years now as part i'm a graphic designer and yeah. i've done that for 25 more years and uh but i've been doing my own range of cards for years and years now so this is really just an extension of that and uh extension of my design style and so i've got loads of other everyday cards and things as well but the other thing i do which are really lovely are beautiful personalized uh birth name prints for babies so Mm. you know they have the child's name with the date of birth time and all of that information and there's a range of about five different designs largely with animals such as a fox in the forest and a bear, um, a polar bear, some birds and things. And they're just absolutely beautiful things that you can have hanging in a child's room or even in, you know, on your kitchen wall. Um, they're lovely prints mm. just commemorate that special time um, of a new baby and have to say, obviously, something like that right now. How fabulous is that sort of news? <laughs> Anything like that. Yes, yes. Just tell our listeners again, they are uh, hashtag positive postcards, but you can yeah. you have a website there, Propeller Prints, yeah. isn't it? So it's propellerprints.com. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, and my handle on Instagram is propellerprints. So you can buy them straight off the website. I've, it's free postage, as in I will send them to you for free in mm. Ireland. You have to put a stamp on them to post them, yeah. make that clear. Yes, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I can. Uh, you get free postage to get them to you. Um, so packs of five or ten, and you can also have a look at any other everyday cards, uh, birthday, thank yous, anything like that. Mm. But it's all there, so browse and um, have a look and just, yeah, spread the positivity. Because yes, that's the thing. It's so it's so lovely when someone says, I got an email actually yesterday from a lady who'd received some and she just said they're just the best thing. I'm sending them to my family in the UK. I know they'll bring smiles and tears, but they'll be hopeful tears. And I just thought, yeah. oh, that's that's exactly what it's all about. It's that hope and that sort of mm. smile. 
Well, that's what that's the effect it had on me. Just to tell listeners again, it's propellerprints.com. If you're at a smart device at the moment, you can look at them, and that's P R O P E L L E R. It's E R. Propellerprints.com. Um, tell me a little more about you know your long time here, and I love the way the accent hasn't moved a day. I often said it here. You know, the some people go to London for a week and they come back with an English accent. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, but you've held yours. What 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 about life here in in Ireland? You know, you spent a lovely childhood and growing up in Sydney in Australia. How, how, how do you look on this country as someone who's come to live here and make their home here? Well, it's really interesting because we came at the, uh, I suppose, the beginning of the boom right uh, back in 2000. And um, I suppose for us, there was always an attraction to Ireland. I think there's a very, there's a very shared sense of sort of humour and uh, just the way you approach life, I think, with a lot of Australian people as well. And I think, you know, there's just that sort of feeling of belonging in that sort of weird way. You can just get on easily with people. And so we've always been incredibly comfortable. We've felt incredibly settled here. We've got two kids now who were both born here. They're both teenagers. And they, their accents are actually a lovely mix of um, Australian and Irish hybrids. So um, it's funny. They're now at the stage where... They're in secondary school and with their Irish, which obviously they get zero help from us with. But, um, <laughs> you know, when they're telling, they, I'm asking them about their Irish and what they're learning and I haven't got a clue or I haven't a notion, I think is the correct thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They surely will. But tell me this, you know, what you're doing is, you know, connecting people and, and yeah. spreading joy, as you said. Besides your family that you obviously miss, what else, what would you miss most about Australia? Um, For me, it's the plants and the flowers, the colours and things like that, which is actually sort of the inspiration in a lot of sort of my designs. It's those colours, the shapes of things and plants. And the thing that I miss the most, not the heat, it's the light, which is sort of hard to understand, but there's an intensity of the light uh, in Australia, which... The light is very soft, and uh, in Australia, it's sort of it's a much brighter, stronger light. And as strange as that sounds, it's something I really miss, especially on a grey sort of January day when you're sitting looking out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. life's been extremely good to us here, and uh, we're very happy, and we've got a great uh, set of friends friends here, and. You know, and they have become our lifeline for mm. the last 12 months. Mm. That's lovely to hear, you know, it is. And can that's I, our connection. Can I ask you this, when you get the jab or whatever and, you know, we yeah. open up again, oh. please God, and Australia is ahead of us on that front, will you be yeah. booking Will you be booking a trip home? Oh, as soon as we can, we'll be there. Um, we're, we try to get back every year pretty much and we couldn't go last summer, obviously. I, it's unlikely we'll be able to go this summer. So I think it's probably going to be three years between us seeing our family realistically before we get back. And that's a long time, particularly with kids who are teenagers and yeah. uh, sort of older parents. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be on a plane. <laughs> There'll be smoke coming up from <laughs> behind us on the way to the airport, I think. I ain't one bit surprised. You know, again, I say, uh, I just came across you by chance. I I was just enamoured by what you do. And I say again, these are works of art and they're keepies. They're the ones that you keep and you'll keep for a long time and you'll treasure. I promise you that. That's how how class they are. There's a class act about them, I have to say. You're lovely and you're doing great stuff and you are spreading joy and positivity. Keep doing what you're doing. We need much more of it now and going forward. It's lovely to uh, meet you and talk to you today. 
Thanks so much, Jerry. You're so good. I really appreciate it. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. That's okay. the lovely Alex Jefferson there. Uh, hashtag positive postcards. But if you want to check her out, uh, the website is propellerprints.com. That's propeller er propellerprints.com. They're lovely. They're special. I'll be getting a few myself and I'll be sending them around the place. I promise you. I like them that much. I really do. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Jerry. as regards the Northern Cross route, until uh, we get, uh, as Brian was saying to you, the authority and uh, they say back to the south of the county, we're going nowhere. We need to control our own town. The biggest disgrace was the day that the Borough Council was abolished because that was all lost. Jackie, thank you indeed for that message. Um, another one there says, uh, what, where did I miss that one there? Oh yeah, uh, I just was listening to the radio earlier on and I hear uh, the news about a tunnel between Northern Ireland and Scotland. Jerry, honestly, I think the way things are going, that'll happen before the Northern Cross route will, says John. I really hope you're wrong, John. I really, really do. I think the skids are under this now and there's a momentum that has to continue and mustn't be allowed die down at this stage because it is just too too important uh, now at this stage that this can go on much longer without funding. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show. What about this? The internet is the loneliest place. Do you agree or disagree? What do you think? You know, but this, you know, we've all been connected thanks to the internet this last year, especially, you know, Zoom and WhatsApp to family and friends. What would we have done it without it? But Roisin Kybert is adamant that loneliness is part and parcel of life online. She's joining us on the show in a little while. We'll also be going to Navin to have a chat with Joe Tierney. Uh, he uh, is the owner of one of the oldest news agents in the Royal County for sure, perhaps in Leinster and Ireland. And of course, yes, we will be hearing from the pint-sized dynamo from Oz. Yes, my last guest, Alex, will be delighted. Kylie Minogue's story continuing here after three. I was going to join Will there for a second. Decided not to. Better off. Oh, I love that song. It's really fantastic. From his second album, Friday's Child. We're going back there to 2003. A big, big number one in the UK. He's a lovely voice, hasn't he? And about unrequited love, the song. And it was the winner and it's a prestigious award to win. That uh, single won the Ivor Novello Award for the best song in that year. Ain't one bit surprised. It's just timeless, isn't it? And uh, Will Young, of course. Um, wasn't he to dance or something or was he dancing on Strictly and he had to leave right something happened to him in recent years he reappeared and then he went I think it was the Strictly come dancing all right Um, got this message late yesterday in the show Uh, came to me Uh, good afternoon Jerry my wife uh, had to go to Ashburn this morning for a test we're talking here about a Covid-19 test as this is the nearest centre to us we've no car we had to get a taxi it cost 94 euro for the round trip to uh, have the vaccine. I think the burden uh, being put on people who are unemployed is ridiculous. It's a lot of money for a taxi, isn't it? It is. But you got the jab. Very important to get the vaccination. We hear the figures when the vaccine is administered. First dose, second dose, they really are coming down and it's more effective, they think, than they ever thought. I just hope we can... I see we've secured another 50,000 vaccines here in Ireland imminently. 
we just need more and more and get as many people as possible vaccinated and open up the show. Please, God, that's what we're all hoping for. And we believe in and we trust in the scientists and Neffet and everybody who's advising us. They're very positive. I'm just hearing the uh, sounds coming from them in recent days. So please... God, in the next uh, week or so, we'll uh, have word of what's going to happen 5th of April and beyond. What about Piers Morgan? I mentioned it yesterday here in the show. He stormed off. Good morning. And then he stormed out the door altogether. He's gone completely. So it was uh, good morning, Britain, without Piers for the first time uh, this morning. Life goes on. That's the way it is in this business. Here today, gone tomorrow. What about Piers Morgan and that whole issue of having an opinion? I have opinions. I express them here. I do. And, I, and you have opinions too. And... I like to hear from you and your opinions as well. And that's what life is about, having an opinion. Piers Morgan's opinion was that he didn't believe Meghan Markle. And there was a raft of complaints, over 40,000 Ofcom in the uh, UK. And of course, the uh, station acted then at that stage. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll have a job shortly. There's a couple of new TV stations coming online and we've a bit of involvement ourselves here. In uh, the New Score group as well. You'll be hearing about that, I'm sure. Perhaps there's a job there for Piers. We'll wait and see. But anyway, you know, it's that whole issue in life today. Is he not entitled to have that opinion? Of course, there's an absolute contrasting opinion that, you know, Megan was uh, racially discriminated against. She was bullied. She had mental health matters. That's what the girl said herself on the interview. But are you not entitled in life today? Is that the way we're gone? That you can't express a contra-opinion? Surely that's the way debate happens. I have an opinion, you have an opinion. We probably never change our opinions, but we can debate and we can come to accommodations as well. And I have to say, in Morgan's defence, I wouldn't be his biggest fan, I have to tell you, even though he follows the gunners like myself. You know, he's bulgy, he's an opinionated fellow. That's why he's in the job he's in and why he'll get another job as well. And uh, he expresses his views and he he believes in them, you know. That's that's the type of guy he is. And I wouldn't agree with him. But he did come out and say that he recognised that uh, racism, bullying were totally wrong and unacceptable. He's always held that line. He's, he's not ever deviated from that. But what do you think? Have you an opinion on that? Is the day gone when you can hold a contra-opinion to what is supposed to be the view, the accepted norm. I think that's really bad if that's the case. It's shocking, to be honest with you. It really is. And then the keyboard warriors bail in on social media and people are destroyed and people love to see people destroyed. And that just leads me nicely into tell you about our next guest because she's written the most brilliant book about disconnect and the internet. You want to hear what she has to say. She's joining me on Late Lunch next. Roisin Kybird is here in a few moments. My next guest is a Dublin-based writer who has, among her other work, focused on technology, culture and the aspects of both that are common. Her new book, The Disconnect, A Personal Journey Through the Internet, is a most thought-provoking work that shines a light on an emerging major challenge for all of mankind. I'm delighted to say hello today to Roisin Kybert. Hello, Roisin. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for having me on the show and for such a kind introduction. Oh, not at all. You're so welcome. I'm going to throw a quote back at you straight away and let you pick up on this <laughs> one. You say loneliness is absolutely characteristic of the experience of living with the Internet today. And yet, Roisin, I put it to you, we're more connected 24-7, 365 days a year than ever. That's a contradiction, is it? It's one of those strange, 
utterly contradictory things, but it's right there in front of us. And I think we all know it on some level. That was one of the kind of starting points with writing The Disconnect, this confounding idea that you could live with these, in so many ways, quite revolutionary technologies, which have made us able to talk to so many people and just kind of consume so many people's thoughts. Um, And yet it has come at a cost, I believe. I I started in my own experiences. I had a sort of breakdown about five years ago uh, in 2016, and I, I felt so lonely and I was more connected than I'd ever been in my life. I was being paid to write about online communities every day and uh, well, every week um, for Vice. And and yet the more I saw, the more alienated I felt, the more I was comparing myself to other people constantly. And the more it slowly dawned on me that social media platforms are kind of engines of well, of misery, really, <laughs> of, of self, of, of comparing ourselves constantly to other people. And, and coming from that point, I wanted to branch out. I wanted to reach out to other people and see, is this just me, you know, or is this something others have experienced? Isn't it inevitable, though, that we compare, like, let's come off online for a moment, you know, where you live and, oh, look what he has and she got that. You know, that was the way in my day growing up before all this technology consumed us. But I know what you're saying. It's instant and you can just see so much that you may not have seen in the past. This is a real downside, you're saying, of this wonderful gift that we have that, you know, causes so much misery and joy at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, there are so many factors that influence this. It's almost inevitable. I had these like one or two critics who kind of said, does she know there's an off button? (laughs) And uh, I would counteract that. I would counter that by saying that's that's missing the point. These are the biggest, you know, the biggest companies we've had, the biggest entities we've had since the railroads or, you know, the Catholic Church is the comparison I draw in the book. They are rewriting our way of thinking. They're rewriting the way that like capitalism itself works. They are shattering industries like media. I mean, like you've probably seen over the years, the impact of technology on, on yeah. journalism, for instance. And we can't in a way fully see this effect uh, because we're in it. Uh, and the off button, I don't think is an option anymore. You can press the off button on your device, but you're still living under surveillance capitalism. You're still living in a world which has been utterly reshaped. The disrupted is the word the industry loves to use. I, I think that I wanted to capture that disruption on a personal level. Uh, you know, its effect on mental health, its effect on our social lives, our relationships to other people, and in so many ways, our very identities. The other thing you uh, raise, which is significant as well, and these words are are tough words, people as disposable commodities, you know, in relation, let's say, for example, and I know you point to this, I I, I wonder, have you been (laughs) availed of them? Dating apps. Oh, yeah. Um, In in the disconnect, there's two chapters. They're uh, kind of given a bit of a jokey title. They they both have uh, the title, Men Explain the Apocalypse to Me, parts one and two. And uh, they are set entirely within the world of dating apps. And mm. the reason, well, the reason it has that title is I went on a load of these internet dates, some of them order, organized over apps, some of them not. Um, and the subject of apocalypse kept coming up. It just struck me that the mood of places like Tinder online is one of nihilism. And that comes from knowing that the very mechanism of these apps is flicking through people. It's like a judgment. You you have the Mm. haves and the have-nots and you sort them and you dispose of them. You have these conversations and then you just ghost them and you forget about them forever. And it strikes me 
that I, I've said this before, but this is us treating each other the way that Silicon Valley treats us as data and as entirely disposable, um, just a means to an end, really. It's, it's no way to forge a human yes. connection. Yes, oh, absolutely not. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like, uh, you know, and we've heard horror stories on this show from people who've, you know, had awful experiences on the dating apps, especially. But here, tell me this. And we could go on with other aspects of uh, of the negativity towards it. Is, yeah. is, is the positives there at all? Or you see that on off button. Should we Should we just turn off the World Wide Web? I don't, I don't think we ever could. Um, but I also think there are positives. I mean, when I started writing about the internet, it was probably about like seven or eight years ago. And there was this sense of exhilaration about it. You know, there were all these weirdos coming together, creating things, expressing themselves. Um, and I think companies like Facebook have changed that because it's this very kind of conservative version of expressing yourself online. You know, it's, it's this sort of monotony, really. I mean, I call it norm core in the book. Uh, and I, I analyze the kind of mystery of Mark Zuckerberg himself as peak norm core. I call him the bland God in the disconnect. <laughs> but uh, I do think that still has lived on in some way. I have a chapter in the book about this music genre native to the internet called vaporwave. And it expresses a sense of nostalgia, a sense of sadness at this kind of, we were promised this amazing future through technology and it never really came to be. But also there is something truly beautiful at work there. It's lonely people, but they're coming together. And I, I also have a final chapter in the book that's about love. Uh, it's about my relationship to someone. I, I don't want to spoil the story. But, uh, oh, no, don't. It, de- it developed over email and, um, you know, it took years, but there is an intimacy to that form of communication, especially if you're a writer, because mm. that's how you express yourself, isn't it? And it's it's a strange way to fall in love with someone, but it's very real. It's yeah. very modern and, and strange. too. <laughs> you, you mentioned there that you went through tough time yourself with your mental health at one stage. And you do say that every day is a challenge, like many people find it, you know, up and down. That difficulty is widespread and even more widespread uh, the last year. And talking yeah. about the last year, I want to talk about that with you for a moment because you do address it as well. Um, yeah. You say that we're heading for an ginormous fallout in terms of poor mental health, it's going to be catastrophic. I think it's already here. I, I, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people who's kind of doomsaying. I know. But it was it was already catastrophic in Ireland. Yes. Like, I've been really fortunate. I, I got uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. It was after a very long time on a waiting list from the HSE. Uh, but, you know, I grew up suffering from eating disorders and it was uh, Eating Disorders Awareness Day uh, about a week ago or maybe less. And I was reading news about that. There was no funding. In, in 2020, mm. there was no funding for it, the most fatal mental illness. You know, that's just one, that's my thing that I'm sympathetic to, I yeah. suppose, from experience. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think most of the tech companies, like especially social media companies, know that what they're doing is affecting people's minds. It affects, I mean, we always kind of rush to talking about the impact on children, but it's the impact on everyone. You know, they're, they're designed fundamentally to keep us glued to the screen. So whatever negative thing we're consuming there, whether the algorithms have led us down the path of, you know, conspiracy theory or QAnon, like you're seeing the effects of that now in the last year in a big way. Um, or if it's, you know, unhealthy body image, uh, 
you know, misogyny, like that is literally a subculture on the internet now, misogyny, like incels, I talk about that in in the book. Uh, The algorithms will only pull you further in. Uh, And you, you know, your filter bubble, this kind of narrow perspective that you have on the world through the internet will grow narrower and narrower and more extreme. And because we scroll alone, there won't be anywhere, anyone there to tell you, you know, do you need a break from this? Do you need to maybe talk to someone instead? Uh, And and over the last year, I think anyone who was already feeling lonely is probably a hell of a lot lonelier. Mm. Um, So that's where that loneliness comes from. And I know what you're talking about because, you know, I'm in the game, as you said here, and I spend a lot of time now. There was a day I never, you know, this has come up on us and crept up on us quite fast Mm. and quicker all the time. And I know what you're saying. You're on your own and you're scrolling and you're messaging and everything. But that's where that loneliness you're saying uh, emanates from. You know... (laughs) When, when I think about the last year, it's been good as well, you know, in terms of connecting people and keeping people yeah. connected. That is certainly an upside of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even my, I can't complain. In the last week, the response to the disconnect has been, it's kind of restored my faith in online communication good. in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't, like, I still stand by all my views, but yeah. people have been so kind. Um, I, I really hope, though, that coming out of the pandemic, I think this is inevitable. We will go out and, you know, carpe diem. Like, we we will seize real life and and try to experience that because there's only so long you can just, like, put up tweets about the latest thing on Netflix. It's not a a substitute for real life. And we have to sort of check in with our own bodies as well. You know, if something makes you feel unhappy, it's actually quite hard to stop doing it if you're online. It's quite hard to step away. Um, but we have to get to know ourselves better. And we also have to ask for more from from our technologies. And there's a movement for that going on right now. Do mm. You uh, might, well, I recall it well. I was taught it, I think, at some stage in my history. Uh, Karl Marx, when he said religion is the opium of the people. I get the impression that this World Wide Web and the Internet is today's opium, not religion. Yeah, I mean, it's been through so many changes in my lifetime um, that I think originally it was the Internet was a blank canvas. I mean, I I just went 32 a few days ago. So I kind of am like peak millennial. You're so old. You're so old. Uh, Oh, wizard. Ancient. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, well, too old for TikTok anyway. But but, uh, (laughs) I mean, relatively young still. Um, But I I do remember the the end of that time, you know, with these kind of weird GeoCities kind of websites and these strange little corners of the Internet. And I it's kind of been wiped away. I mean, what we live in now is a very corporate vision of the internet. And it's one absolutely engineered to be addictive to get the most data in the in the least time from the user. You know, there, mm. there's always that line, you are the product. Or in, in Shoshana Zuboff's book, she says, you are not the product, you are the rotting carcass. Like they've drained you of all your data. Um, so I, I think there's a growing level of awareness around that. And yes. we will see even more changes in our lifetimes. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. I think it's really necessary to make time away from oh, the screen you, <laughs> now more than ever. You are so right. You are so right, young woman. Now, you also talk about this thing of living in the present and, and, you know, we're, you know, with mindfulness and all this teaching and talk in recent years before pandemics even, you know, the view is it's good to live in the present. But you say it's not such a good thing. W- why do you say that? Hmm. Well, it has its pros and cons. Uh, there is absolutely a benefit to 
being, you know, centered in the moment, yeah. especially going out for a walk and just like listening to the birds. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what I do every day now. Good woman. No headphones. No headphones. Yeah. No, I, I go to the park and I just listen to nature. But um, there is something else that is definitely going on right now. And I, I, I like if you read, you know, in kind of especially Marxist theory, there's this phrase, the cancellation of the future, this idea of just kind of having your ability to hope and also to even imagine the future taken away from you. And uh, it does link in with technology in really strange ways. Like if you actually look at how timelines work, they're called timelines, but they're not chronological. They're algorithmic. They tell you what they think you want to see first. And you'll be scrolling for a long time to get the actual news in the order of, of which it occurred. That to me is fascinating. I mean, that's like, the kind of hubristic thing going on there where technology steps in and tells you, we will, don't worry about time. You know, we'll tell you what you want to see. That's the reason why fake news has been thriving to the extent that it has done in our times, because news doesn't have an expiration date anymore, you know? And, and even, I mean, there's a lot of research going on with the pandemic and how that's affecting our sense of time too. But I mean, there there's studies in, in I think, neuroscience where depressed people can't imagine the future. So, so they just sort of stay stuck in this eternal present. Mm, mm. Oh, it's I know, I know what you're painful, getting at. Confusing place. Yeah, and I know what you're getting at as well. You know, it's like Groundhog Day for a lot of people. They say this. Yes. You know what I mean? That there's nothing to look forward to in life. We must have something to look forward to. You know, you raise so many wonderful uh, points in your book, and they are thought provoking. I'm not surprised you've had the reaction you've had. Listen, two things I want to ask you before we finish. Are you related to the famous Kai Birds? I remember Damien well. Tell me. Do you know him? He's my dad. Ah, yes. <laughs> and you're see. the first person to spot that with such a weird name. No one has asked me about ah, that yet. <laughs> no, I couldn't. But I uh, always admired him. A brilliant journalist, business post and more besides, I know. And I want to oh. say hello to him for me because I was a great fan I of his know. and always. And you didn't lick it off the ground. I can understand now where this came from, this brilliance. And the other thing... Hey. I believe you have links in Chairman Feckin in Canada. I do. That's what I was going to say. I have another actually quite famous family member living there. Um, oh. my, my aunt and uncle, Marguerite and, and Donal, live in Termin Fekin and their children are uh, Emily, Patrick, Mairead and then Ivana, who's the actress. You know, the, ah, um, she's from listen, Harry Potter. Yeah. Yes, Yeah. So course. maybe it's going out to them today. I'm not sure. Yeah, the news, oh, listen, world. we have we have a massive listenership across, you know, that particular area. I've got but across Louth and Mead as well and I'm sure they'll catch it and if they don't, they'll catch you on my, my podcast a little so. bit later on so they will but look I want to say to you you've done wonderful work here you really have it is thought provoking it raises very serious issues and I encourage people to look at this Uh, the book is called The Disconnect A Personal Journey through the internet and it's widely available isn't it Roshina at the yes. moment yeah yeah it's for sale on, online yep. at the Irish bookshops support the Irish bookshops they're of doing course. a great job of sending them out they um, are yeah, they are they you're, you're, you're fantastic you are you're a fantastic you. young woman and look <laughs> we will I promise you we will talk again but uh, uh, I thank you for uh, giving us your time on late lunch thank this afternoon so and wish you the very best thank you Roshin. Thanks. Bye. Roisin Kybert there. Uh, Brilliant young woman. And that book is fascinating. It really is thought provoking. If you're looking for something to make you think about this whole online world and that this is the one to get and read and take on board. But as she says there, come on, there's life 
beyond online. Most of life is beyond it. Have you got that message yet? Late lunch, LMFM radio. We're going nowhere. You stay there. Alyssa was on to say to tell that person or anyone else, if you need a COVID test, you ring your GP. And that is a fact. You ring your GP. You contact your GP if you're unwell for a test and they'll make the arrangements and... I don't think it'll be involved in taxis or, or anything else out there. Now, uh, what else was I to say to you? I think I had another message there as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, a listener wanted me to say, Jerry, it's in the Constitution, freedom of speech. I know it is. I know it is in freedom of speech, but it's not that simple nowadays. I agree with you. And we should be able to express different opinions without being hounded out of town. That's all I'm saying. And you're right. It is in the Constitution. Uh, in today's world, we're not allowed, says another listener, to have an opinion unless it's politically correct. I miss the times when I could feel and say out loud without being bombarded or condemned and uh, being uh, people being offended. Most people being offended, says a listener today. I understand what you're saying too, and that is a, a valid point well held as well. I There should be freedom of speech. You cannot incite violence or racism or... Bias or anything like that. That is, that is certainly not acceptable. But there should be opinions and freedom of opinions as well. You know, really should. More of it is, is needed in this world of ours. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Welcome to the show if you're just joining us. And if you're listening today on your app, don't forget the LMFM app, your smart speaker on the radio, you're so welcome to the show. Heading to news, weather and sport at three in the company of UB40. I got you, babe. I've got you always. Stay with us on late lunch. Just reminding you once more, my 40 days and nights for Slav continuing. I'm into the uh, second half of the 40 at this stage and looking forward to getting out again this evening. Oh, it's rough out there. But anyway, on with the gear and away we go again today. And look again, thank you to everybody for all the support and the encouragement. And if you can help at all, GoFundMe.com and search there for Oxygen for Slav. Every euro is so, so important. It's been tremendous so far and I'm really enjoying it myself. And I know that Slav and his mam, Nadia and the family are really, really appreciated of all the support. Jerry, you've been talking about the Royals the last couple of days. Kevin's been on to say they left the Royal family because they wanted a quiet life. And I know we mentioned this, you're right, Kevin. Why did they go on opera to tell the world about their business? That absolutely doesn't make sense to me. Not to me either, I have to say, Kevin. Thank you for that. Jerry, freedom of speech is fine, but when it comes to mental health, it's not okay. People hide it. They hide their mental health difficulties until something happens. That's why, Jerry, people won't speak out. Look, if you're not feeling good in any way, there are so many organisations that can help. Don't keep it to yourself. Reach out. Ask. The support is there. Talk to somebody. I always say that. Please, please do. Now, it's Kylie Minogue. She's my featured artist of the week this week. And we're moving into the noughties now. And Kylie's third decade belting out the hits. She switched record labels yet again to Parlophone, who encouraged her to re-establish herself as a pop artist. Her seventh album followed with spinning around its lead single making number one in the UK in July 2000, meaning Kylie was only the second artist ever to have number one hits in three different decades. Who'll ever forget the gold hot pants? Can't Get You Out Of My Head followed from album number eight and sold five million copies. That's the single. It was massive for her. Slow was the big success from album number nine. And then 
Ultimate Kylie came along. That was her next album and it was her second hits collection with some new songs included with I Believe in You picking up a Grammy Award. Oh yeah, it was a big hit. In March 2005, Kylie began her Showgirl World Tour, which she had to cancel on May the 7th. After the London shows, you see, Kylie was diagnosed with breast cancer. She underwent chemotherapy treatment, which began immediately and continued until January 2006. Her recovery continued and she resumed the Showgirl tour in November 2006. But yes, let's go back to 2004 and that Grammy-winning song, Yes, I Believe and Kylie. I do indeed believe in Miss Kylie Minogue. I'm in me element this week with the Artist of the Week. There's no doubt about it. Oh, all me Christmases have come at once. I told you the story before. The story before. You know, the showgirl tour that she had to cancel. She had played Dublin just before the English leg of the concert and then she was diagnosed with breast cancer. But that was the first time I saw Kylie live in the point in Dublin uh, on that tour before she had to cancel it. And I think I said to you before, I never forget the moment she came up at the start of the concert from beneath the floor with the massive feather boa on. I couldn't believe how tiny she was. We were right in front of her. And she sang Better the Devil, you know. And I was at the concert, Miriam as well as my daughter Sarah at the time. Jack White, my good friend, came along as well. You see, he had an hour live for Kylie as well. And when she came out, myself and Jack were... Up on our feet, dancing away. And I'll always remember Sarah nudging Miriam, my wife, saying, I think the boys are gay. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bit of it, I promise you, on late lunch today. Anyway, next up on the show, did you know that in 1895, Tipperary beat Meath in the All-Ireland football final by four points to three? Was it a game of football or was it a game of Gaelic? 4-3, Tip won the final. And in that year... Tierney's newsagent opened in Navin. It's the oldest in Ireland. We're chatting to Joe Tierney next. Do you remember the saying, for more years than you care to remember? Yes, well, that applies certainly to Tierney's newsagents on Trimgate Street in Navin. 1895 it all began, and the man who is uh, running the show today, Joe Tierney, is on the line. Hello, Joe. Hello, Jerry. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for taking our call. Were you always where you are today from the shop opened? Yeah, I never, the location never changed. It uh, was my grandfather who opened the store in 1895 and ended up marrying the lady who had the shop right beside us. And then in 1977 was the first time we actually pulled down the wall between the two shops. So my, my grandfather and then subsequently my father had a tobacconist and then my aunt had the newsagents and little toy store right beside us. It. it was a, a quirky little arrangement in that my, my dad used to close the tobacco shop for half days on Thursdays and uh, if you came in and you wanted them, you got them the other shop. Uh, you came into the other shop, somebody went in in uh, behind the counter and brought them out to you. So it, 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 um, it's been the one generation yes. or one family, three generations, grandfather, father. And yeah, it's a great, it's a, it, it goes back a long time and there's real history in the place. I'm just thinking two world wars, the Irish rising, the war of independence, the Spanish flu, you know, all that has been seen as long as Tierney's doors has, have been open. Joe, I have to say to you this last year, how's it been? Yeah, it, it, look, you only have to ask anybody on the street. There's nobody that's not affected. 
your, your heart goes out to the frontline workers, your heart goes out to the people who have passed away. Our, our grievances are small. You know, we're alive, we're healthy, and we're, we're seeing business very badly. But it's quite right. You've mentioned world wars and, and every sort of uh, disturbance around, and yet you can have a, a, a bat in, in China, allegedly, that has got this. Uh, there's a great saying out there that one man uh, does not make a difference, but tell that to the guy who allegedly ate the bat, because mm. the whole world has... The repercussions have been phenomenal. Yes. It's been very tough. Uh, we're, we're currently, obviously, in our in our latest lockdown, which the latest news is not good that we're not coming out of that anytime soon. But um, the, 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 the street is quiet. Naturally, only um, the essential stores are open. Um, those people are suffering. The people who are sitting at home suffering from mental fatigue are suffering. And it, it, it's very difficult. But look, we are all in this together. There is a reason for it all. We can understand it. And I suppose, you know, everybody is compliant. It's, 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 it is a case of we, we will eventually look out and, and look back. And it's the next generation that's probably going to end up in for a big time. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that is for sure. The bill will have to be paid. But look, at in, in terms of you, I hear what you're saying. The footfall is not there at the minute. You're, you were famous and you were very good to us, I know, over the years with your Ticketmaster terminal there. But I believe Ticketmaster have pulled back now from uh, face-to-face outlets. Ah, uh, here, look, uh, you know, where do you start with, with, with the repercussions from the pandemic? That was probably one of the first ones. If you remember a year ago when this all started, the, the initial um, facts were that concerts were getting, even even the ones for the three arena that would have been happening around March or April of last year started getting cancelled. And then the people came in with their tickets, rightly so, wanting to know could they get a refund and so on. 80 to 85% of events for last year were automatically transferred on to this year and then effectively will be transferred again. Uh, but even for the 15% of people coming back looking for tickets, Ticketmaster could see that the shops weren't going to be able to handle it. Now, there was only 43 Ticketmaster agencies across the country. Mm. But um, the, the feeling was that they weren't adding to what Ticketmaster wanted. Everything is online nowadays. And it was mostly to be create that photo op that when uh, Garth Brooks allegedly or um, somebody else was coming, like Bruce Springsteen was coming, that there would be a queue down the street of two or three hundred people. Yes. And that would create a, a picture that all the keyboard warriors in the world could never recreate. And yeah. that's possibly why. But this tripped the, the switch. And from that day on, Ticketmaster, and now will be, there will no longer ever be a rite of passage for any young person who wants to stay up overnight and queue for a ticket to Electric Picnic or Longitude. It's all going to be online. And we have we will suffer badly from that because we loved the experience. We loved the enthusiasm of people. And we loved the camaraderie of them out there. And we also loved the challenge we had to try and get as many tickets out of that damn machine before they actually ran out. So, <laughs> yeah. That's something we just have to take on the chain and say, you know, it was great for the seven or eight years that we had it. It's just one of the many, many repercussions and we're going to have to cut our cloth. We've cut it many, many times over the years from selling just newspapers and, 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 and cigarettes and selling newspaper um, tobacco and, and, and confectionery. You, you diversify, you find new products, you find what the, there's a niche market in and, and you go there as well, you know. Mm. Yeah, and of course, you. I, I know you do the Bewley's Coffee now, the Lotto Terminal. Didn't you sell Big Winner on the Lotto? We had a couple. One of them I happened to sell to myself and, and my, my, my syndicate. 
we had 23 people in, in town. We won a quarter of a million. Wow. Was, it was a lovely amount. Yeah. Because, you know, when you divided it down, everybody got 12,000. Nobody was going to brag about it or have to hide yes. their faces on it. But they were all people from the Jackson Kiernans and Frank Cahills of the town. All the all the people in business with us were all part of this wonderful football uh, syndicate that I had put together. And when we won the quarter of a million, it, it was great. Previous to that, we'd sold the 2.7 million. Previous to that, uh, Jerry Beggy, the Jinxie's father, had won a share in the lotto himself. Of at the time, would you believe there was a, the jackpot was five hundred thousand. This is back about eighty seven, yeah. and there were twelve winners on the one night. It was the freakiest thing ever. Yes. So he he came out of it with about forty five thousand, and still had to go to the lottery and be told to be sensible with his money, <laughs> given the same speech as if he'd won a couple of million. You know, <laughs> and I remember Jerry telling me he put uh, like he put um um central heating into the house and that was as <laughs> as as far as the the, the crazy spending went and went That's the time. Great. No lot, lottery has been very good yeah. new thing. But but you are look I I remember as growing up as a kid in the in the shop, Jerry, I'm I'm forty three years in it uh, this year and it's it's been a great experience and the people I've met, the, the staff we've worked with, the people on the street, um it's it's been a pleasure. Every day has been an absolute pleasure. And but it's how different it's got. I remember um, making ice cream cones with the wafers, and we, we'd measure it out with this thing. We just cut the tobacco off blocks. Mm. All the things that are no longer there to health and safety and all manner of stuff now. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they were, they were days I remember. I have to say, and remember them well. Not so much from the tobacco, but I knew people who did, of course, avail of. But the ice cream and the uh, uh, cutting from the block and everything like that. But tell me this: obviously, you know, sales of newspapers have decreased, uh, magazines, etc. I used to have an account in Martin McKeown's in Drogheda here for uh, gardening and uh, fishing trout and salmon. I'm getting it. I'm forty years myself. Do you still keep any magazines for people? Or is that a thing of the past? Oh, we do. But uh, again, we'll we do it for anybody. But magazines, papers, all of that kind of thing. A lot of it's going online, Jerry. Um, you know, year on year, newspaper sales and magazines are dropping. But yes, we do. It, it's actually one of the most pleasurable things is, is having somebody wanting a magazine on order and keeping it for them. So yes, we, do, we certainly do. So, Joe, the future is the future. What will be, will be. You're there at the moment and our people met. The messages are coming in here to say they miss you. They haven't been in town for a year. They hope you're there when they get back. And, Joe, I just wanted to acknowledge 1895. You're still going there. And well done for being an integral part of what Navin Town is for so long. You and uh, uh, the people who came before you there as well. Thank you for joining me on the show, Joe, today. Not at all, Jerry. Just to clarify, I'm not here personally since 1895. Yeah, I, just I know. Like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one thing. You're looking good in it. I have to say all that time. <laughs> you're, 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 you'll, you'll be in uh, the College of Surgeons for for scientific experiment if you were here since 1895. Well, anyway, hopefully, Joe. I, I, well, hopefully not while still alive. Anyway, <laughs> Please, Jerry. God. Joe, thanks a million. Lovely to talk Bye. to you. Take care Bye. of yourself. Bye. Isn't he a lovely guy? He really is there. Joe Tierney from Tierney's in Nav. And I was mentioning tomorrow on the show, Tara Walker's with us and we're doing a taste of Asia oh looking forward to that we're going to touch base with the Toastmasters haven't been in contact with them for a while we have interesting uh, people to talk to there and we will be uh, joined by somebody from Addictive Eaters Anonymous on the show that's uh, our uh, lineup, and more besides Kylie as well coming tomorrow and others uh, too but anyway may I wish you a lovely uh, Wednesday evening take care of yourselves keep the faith keep positive and do come back and join us tomorrow Eddie 
Caffrey is on his way next with The Drive. Wonderful music, great songs and company. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. And if you missed any of today's show, remember, it'll be podcast in the next hour, lmfm.ie, and it's in there, late lunch, listen back. Have a nice Wednesday. See you Thursday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.